This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Today's episode of Query. What? That's not how I start the show. <laughs> you say, hey, guys. Hey, Queeros. <laughs> Please, Jordan, keep this in. <laughs> Hey, Queeros, Cammy here. Today's episode of the podcast is a chat with Michelle Rayner Goolsby, who is running for Florida House District 70 um, as Michelle Rayner. Um, we talk about her her choice to run for the Florida House. We talk about her decision to go to run as Michelle Rayner, Michelle Rayner Goolsby. We talk about a lot of stuff, faith, spirituality. Shit, this is a good episode. Enjoy it. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on, darling. I know, I know, I know it's careless. I always have guests introduce themselves. Will you introduce yourself? Um, well, my name is Michelle Rayner Goolsby, hyphen Goolsby. Um, and I say that because I'm running for office as Michelle Rayner, but I am a civil rights attorney. I am a Black queer woman who is fully clear about who I am. And I am from Florida. So I was a, a Black woman, Black queer woman raised in the South. And so, yeah, that's just kind of who I am in a nutshell. You did a very good job. I have a, I have some follow-up questions already. Um, <laughs> why the decision to run as uh, Michelle Rayner? So, you know, my wife has um, an advocacy that she does in a way that is just fully her own. And um, I wanted to make sure, and I think really it was a family decision. We wanted to make sure that she was able to stay in her lane and do what she needs to do. And that it wasn't my, my run for office wasn't bleeding over into the work she does as an education advocate. And then her work that she does as an education advocate wasn't bleeding over into my work that we're, we're, we were firmly able to have our own identities and have our own identities in the work, but then also have those moments that where we do come together. Well, that's really interesting. Does she also, does she go by, like, professionally, does she go by her singular last name? Or does yeah, she so use the she, hyphenated? So I, I am hyphen Rainer Goolsby, and then she's just Goolsby. Got it. Got it. Um, well, that's pretty... When did you make that decision? A while ago? Recent? Where did so you- it's always been um, kind of fluid with us. So, I mean, my, because I grew up in the area that I'm running in, everybody knows my family. So I've always been known as Rainer, right? So it's not anything that was kind of just a... Uh, uh, you know, like a decision of like, well, I'm just always going to go by Rainer, but it's just, you know, folks know my family, they know who I, you know, I've represented half of the area that I am running for in some capacity. And so it just kind of was one of those things. And so when I got married, I just tagged on Goolsby. Mm-hmm. When you say everyone knows your family, where you're from, where, talk to me specifically about where you're from in Florida. So I'm from Pinellas County. So everyone's like, was that Tampa? It is absolutely not. (laughs) So Pinellas County is uh, Clearwater, Clearwater, St. Pete, Tarpon Springs. So it is on the West coast of Florida. And so really in Pinellas County, my parents, um, their love story started at um, Gibbs Junior College. So a little bit about Gibbs Junior College. It was located in South St. Pete and it was the only place that Black folks were able to get a post-secondary education in the 1950s and 60s. It literally was the only place, even at that point, the university When you say only place, you mean in in, what... in that area. In, in that, that area. Got it. In yeah. that area. Yeah. Yep. So in that area, it was the only place in that area. So if you wanted to stay in Pinellas County or even in the Tampa Bay area at large, which, you know, you know, Tampa is, is connected to Pinellas by a bridge, you would go to Gibbs Junior College. So my parents started at Gibbs Junior College. Then around that time, the University of South Florida opened up to start accepting um, Black students. And so my parents were a part of that handful, first handful of students that actually started matriculating into the University of South Florida. So my mom tells me stories about how she was sitting in class and it's just like, 
even professors would say like just ridiculous things to her. And she's like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) you know? And so having to navigate that and then, you know, just other folks in my family who have served um, Pine Ellis County, whether it's been through government, whether it's been through their jobs and just us being just there. So I would say that I would be a third generation Pine Ellis County resident. So I'm very proud to have grown up in Florida. I'm very proud to have been from Florida. And then, you know, also my dad's roots are also from South Georgia. So there's really that Southern, you know, uh, theme that runs through my family. Right. I want to talk even further about that. So you said, you said uh, in government, so, so members of your family have worked in government. Correct. Um, at, at what level? Local government yeah. or state government or... So here's Nationally. a fun fact. The seat that I'm running for, State House District 70, was State House District 55. And my uncle was the state representative for State House wow. District 55 before it got gerrymandered and became State House District 70. Wow. Um, uh, there's so many things to break down in there. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. And I also just want to say, because you, I want to backpedal for just a moment, because you said, is it Tampa? It's definitely not Tampa. And I feel like there's some stuff even to unpack in that because, you know, our listeners are from all over the U S but then also, also all over the world. And so I, right. I will say some things about like my understanding of Florida that already have. So like you said, first of all, you said Florida, so the South, and I will just say, first of all, just as a blanket statement, I think in the U S many people who are not from Florida wouldn't necessarily say Florida. So the South, like, that's just something I just think it's, and especially I think the predominant image of a Floridian is like sort of this bumbling conservative white person. Like that is the, that is what has been exported. I recently, and I know you said you're not Tampa, but I recently played Tampa like last year. And, um, I was surprised even just in Tampa by that um like that city itself has is o- openly talks about um the immigrant populations that have lived there and that there that it was like that the center of cigar rolling factory yeah, yeah, and yeah. so that That's it is Ybor like city. not white yeah. like that it yeah. yes exactly Ebor city there are, first of all, wild roosters in the streets. Second 110%. of all, it is the gay neighborhood, but there's no bar that is called Cox. We must <laughs> realize that that is a huge problem. How are there wild roosters? It's the gay ne- No Cox? Anyway, just to people leaving money That's on the table. That's an idea. Hmm. Yes, it's people leaving money on the table. But um, yeah, Ybor City, I, was, I just was surprised to like see Florida, see any area of Florida talk about people of color that have lived there at all. And then I also would say that um, I don't think that just nationally we talk about Florida as a place where black people live. Like that's just not something we talk about at all. I mean, because here's the deal. And I have posted this on my socials. You know, I posted it. There was a, a, a meme. Someone tweeted that the fact that Florida is like really not a joke. Like we actually have real people that live here and people who actually, who are like impacted by like the lack of leadership that is just what Florida is known for, right? And that's literally probably the, one of the reasons why I'm running. I mean, I literally woke up and, you know, Cameron, I was just like, you know, I could, you know, I could stay out this race. I could really just do what I do, live this nice life with my wife and like, you know, be a lawyer and just kind of be quiet and just still do the work that I do on a national level. But I literally looked at the landscape and I looked at the folks who were already in this race. And I and I kept saying to myself, like, I can't keep asking for someone to step up if I know that I'm going to, like, if, if it's me. And really it's, and I'm encouraged because Throughout the state, there are other folks like me who are stepping up as well, or other folks who have already been in, you know, state government that are kind of like, oh my God, thank God, like, and we need somebody else to just, you know, to mm-hmm. to rally, to rally us, because at some point it's going to be more progressive folks than not. And so it, it is, it, you know, and a lot of people don't think that, you know, when I say I'm from the South, they're like, oh, you so you must be from like North Florida. No, but there is still that Southern roots that permeate through, 
even West, even West Central Florida. And, and it is hard because, you know, a lot of people think of Miami when they think of Florida. So they don't think of like South. They're like, oh, it's Miami. You're like, so that is, that is kind of Florida. But I have friends who are from Miami that's like, well, Miami's not Florida. <laughs> from Miami. Right. So, um, you know, there are so many different cultures that we've through. And even while Tampa, um, has talked about, you know, the immigrant culture, but there's still issues that we're grappling with when it comes to Black lives and Black lives Absolutely. mattering, not only in, um, you know, Tampa, Hillsborough County, but also in Pinellas and really what we call the Bay Area. So Pinellas, Hillsborough is what we call the Bay Area. And so we're still grappling with those issues. We're still grappling with issues of, you know, the LGBTQ plus community. Shoot, within our own LGBT plus, you know, uh, Q plus community, we're still grappling with those issues. I mean, that has actually, I don't know if you know, that's become a factor in my race. Tell me more about what you mean. So um, there was an organization that... um, gave a, my opponent, who is a cisgendered, heterosexual Black man, the uh, it's a uh, Stonewall Democrat, so it's the LGBTQ plus caucus, gave him the, um, gave them hit their endorsement saying that he would be better on LGBTQ plus issues than I would be. Now, this is after Equality Florida, Human Rights Campaign, Victory Fund, um, uh, Hillsborough County LGBTA caucus. And when Pete, they said, we wouldn't, we didn't see her. And I said, well, I've been in this community. I've been doing work. But what happened is these, this organization that was primarily made up by older white queer folks refused to recognize the intersectionality of being a black queer woman and doing work in the spaces and understanding the work that you do in those spaces actually sets everybody free. And so where you, and not, and then they refuse to understand that the fact that Stonewall, who you're named after, that pride that we all celebrate is because of Black and Latinx trans women or lesbians. But you have erased a Black queer woman from even being possibly, uh, you know, um, essentially, you know, endorsed. And I think a lot of that's other political reasons, but I think that, you know, it gets into the conversations of why there is not, you know, why Black queer folks don't feel comfortable in predominantly white queer spaces. Yeah. I gave you a lot right there, Cameron. I gave you a lot right there, didn't I? Well, I'm I'm trying to, like, figure out the follow-up question because I, first of all, thanks for sharing that. And second of all, so in their, and I'm not asking you to, like, speak up, but in their when they were talking about why this person would be better, was there a reasoning at all? Was there a, was there a stated reasoning? That they hadn't seen me and that... Um, when you say the they work- hadn't seen you, do you mean that they hadn't seen you like on the ticket or that they hadn't seen the work you'd been previously doing? Allegedly, the work I've been previously doing, even though the work I've mm-hmm. alleged that I've actually done has been like not only documented and I don't know, on CNN and in paper. Sure. And, and there are folks that will give them receipts. It was, to me, it and, and, and because of how the whole situation went down, it was almost a, an erasure of who mm-hmm. I was as a person and eraser of the work that I've done. So it was almost like them saying, this person has a higher profile, this other dude. Just that is essentially what they were saying? This, and, this and, other person and, we don't and see. And I don't even know if it's a higher profile. It just was, because it's not, it was just literally, I mean, I will tell you that the community drug that organization. And I mean, <laughs> they're still dragging them. They're literally like, it's like drag. Like they're yeah. really dragging them because I will say that if I win this election, it will be historic that I will be, and there's another um, Black queer woman that's running on the other coast, that I would be one, if not the only Black, first Black queer woman, openly Black queer woman to be elected at any level, at any level in, in the state of Florida. Wow. Wow. Right. I mean, that's a and, huge deal. And I, I want to ask this question also because, so demographically, the district that you represent, because I know you mentioned gerrymandering. So is it, uh, what is the racial demographic of the so, district you represent? So it would, would represent. 
Yeah, so it's literally right now, it used to be historically Black, but it's mm-hmm. literally right now, probably about 50-50. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's broken down. And a lot of that is due because of gentrification and things of that nature. So it is literally kind of almost 50-50. There also is um, a Latinx population that's starting to move um, into that area that hadn't really been previously, like you kind of you know, a viable, um, I would think as far as like voting block, a viable voting block in the area. So you're starting to see kind of it, it, it shift, right? And so, you know, one of the things that I've just been proud of, of, of who I am is that I stand firmly in the intersectionalities of intersections of who I am, but knowing where I stand can touch different folks in different ways. What about like queerness wise or age wise? Is it um, where? What about on those vectors? Yeah, so queerness wise, there is definitely like a, a population of 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 queer folks because St. Pete really has been a home to queer people and a safe right. haven for queer folks. When you know, even Tampa at one point wasn't right. And obviously, North County Pinellas definitely was not. So it has been a safe haven for, you know, folks in our community. So it really has. So there is definitely a voting block there. And what I've even made sure that I let folks know is that I'm not taking your vote for granted just because, like, yeah, I'm queer. Like, But I also want you to know, because we can have queer people that can be in office and you're like, wow. You've literally done nothing for us. But I want folks to know that not only am I in our community, but I'm doing this work because I understand that everything that happens, every law that is passed, that whether it's against, you know, Black folks, Latinx folks, undocumented folks, our train, that our train, that train is never late to hit our community. And ultimately, it's personal for me. I mean, I have I have a wife and the way that we move throughout the world and we show up throughout the world, I understand that any injustice that is allowed will impact the way that we move and live our life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. Of course, I'm not, you know, you're not the person who's telling me that it is fucked up or or challenging to operate in um, white queer spaces as a as a black person. I fully um, see that myself, you know. Um, right. And I wonder, um, I don't know what the Florida legislature is like. <laughs> how ma- it's, like it is, how it's, many black folks are? How many black folks actually? work in the Florida legislature. There's, I mean, not, you don't have to give me numbers, but is yeah, it like, like a, there's, there's a good amount. I mean, it's definitely not half. It is definitely not, but I mean, it's like, I, it's a good amount, but when you think about it, so it is, uh, it is predominantly uh, Republican, white male Republican. Um, yes. And then the Democrats are in the minority. And yes. then there is a handful of, I would not say a handful, probably about, 20 plus, maybe 25 of black, uh, of, of black, uh, lawmakers. And I think that I may, I think I even may be overshooting that. So let me kind of uh, reverse that. Don't put that on, <laughs> put that up there, but there, but there is, yeah. there is, you know, there is a handful of black folks, but I mean, it is, is a fight. It's, it, it, it is always a fight. And then, you know, right now we only have one black openly queer, uh, you know, man that is in the house that is now running for Senate. And even as he has served so beautifully in the house, he's still getting, you know, oh, he doesn't have family values. Oh, he is gay. And it's like, come on, like, you know, and it's like, come on, like this man and his representative, Chevron Jones, who's one of my dearest friends, he literally has served his district just like beautifully. Just mm-hmm. literally beautifully. And his opponents, like the only thing that they have is like, oh, you don't like women. Like, he's like it's like, bro, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, you, you're gay. So you don't know what family values are. It's like, we know those dog whistles, right? Like, we know what that is. Like, we know what that means. 
You know, and so it's it is frustrating to to see, and I've seen that show up in in my race. I've seen that show up in uh, another uh, another gentleman's race that's running in uh, I think West Palm Beach. That he um, he's not he's not gay, but he has two two moms, and he's a black man, and you know. Uh, a sitting represent a sitting black representative has literally said just horrific um you know gay slurs about him and Ugh. and you know to one point where he had to step down from his committee assignments but i'm like but you stepping down from your committee assignments is not enough and we have to like let folks know that we are here we are here and you know whether you like it or not we're we're going to be here and we're going to run and we're going to lead and 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 all of those kinds of things. And we have families and and we have friends that love us and 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 all of those kinds of things. Yeah, I love that. I mean that's that's really that's funny to think about it that way because I think in the past it's like I don't know how I don't know how old you are, but maybe we're thirty eight. Maybe I'm thirty eight. Okay. okay. <laughs> We're the same age. Because I was going to say, I feel like that is interesting because previously when people could say that, that dog whistle that you're talking about, about like not having fam- family values, like say 20 years ago or 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Um, I love the idea that you're like, no, we have like partners and friends that love us. Because I think that something that's true for the for queer folks is like in the past, I mean, maybe we had you know, we've always had community, but it, it just is like a different feeling for somebody that's maybe our age where it's like, I'm actually chill with who I am, like yes. 100%. 100%. And so for you to try to crack that, it's just like, a, it's a different thing. You know, like but, I think about that as a different thing to, you know, whatever, like a Harvey Milk era person where it's just 100%. like, so on the outside of culture versus like, you know, I'm like, in culture and I'm cool with myself. So right. like, come at me in this way. Sure. But like, this is it's not, not going to bode well for you. It's I don't not have a crack gonna... in that. Right. And you know, what's so interesting because when I was going to run and because this um, district is, you know, historically predominantly black folks were like, are you concerned with, you know, black people, how, you know, your people, how are they going to feel about you, you know, having a wife? And what I found is that like, 90% of people don't care because I don't know. They're just trying to make sure that they can live. I don't know. They're mm-hmm. trying to make sure they can get, you know, healthcare. I don't know. They're trying to make sure that they don't have to choose between actually their rent and maybe, you know, getting healthcare. Oh, I don't know. There's a pandemic that's happening. Oh, I don't know. People's, you know, officers' foots are on people's necks and killing them and fr- on, on primetime television. I don't think people really care about who I lay down with. I think there's they're concerned with a lot more, and that's what I've been finding is that people are like, yeah, that's cool. Anyway, so what are you gonna do about this unemployment system that's woefully broken? What are you gonna do about you know economic development in light of COVID nineteen? Like literally, that's like a and and so that that's just like the last thing that people are caring about. So when you know opponents and even my opponents, I have brought it up in this race, right? Have tried to say that people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't really care about that. I care about the work that she's done, the solutions that she's already provided and what she's going to do when she gets to Tallahassee. Because that's literally, ultimately at the end of the day, Cameron, where I think that it's fair to say we're, we're all selfish. We're all about how is my life going to be better, right? I mean, at the end of the day, sure. as, as, altruistic, I I as, you, right, <laughs> as altruistic as you may be, ultimately you are looking about the impact of your life. And I think that we have folks who are really impacted by the lack of leadership that we've had in the state of Florida, by the lack of leadership that some of our elected officials have shown even locally where I'm running. So folks are like, sis, that's great. I don't care. What are you going to do? Let me look to what you've done. Okay. This is the, this is the woman that when something goes down, we can call her and she actually comes up with the solution. So I, I think like you're absolutely right. Like in this time, it's like, yo, I'm very clear about who I am. Like I'm very clear. Like I'm very okay with that. Great. And, you know, you know, let's, you know, let's move, let, let's move on. Let's talk about what we're finna do. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. 
Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Yeah, I, I had a couple things I wanted to go back to. First of all, I wanted to I wanted to ask this question and like, you can just feel free to be like, actually, I'll go fuck yourself. But I, I was wondering, <laughs> I just hadn't thought of this before. It's like, I was thinking about what you were saying about, you know, the, of course, of course there are black queer folks who are, stepping into power and who have spaces, but historically, and until like, you know, I don't even know, the last two years, like the the faces being the most rewarded were white faces in, in, our, in our community and in our movement. Mm-hmm. So I think about like, the reason I was asking about the demographics of the Florida legislature specifically is, I was kind of wondering, it's like, I would never want that experience for you. Like, I don't want you as a person to have had to have had the experience of leading in a culture that didn't necessarily reward that leadership or notice it, validate it. Mm -hmm. But then I thought about how perhaps that was almost like the exact right preparation for somebody going into the state house in Florida. It's almost like you're being, you're, you're knowing how to like outlast a community that didn't necessarily center you as a leader, that might be, that would be kind of what I would anticipate if you were to win this seat, is that you would then be a black person going into a predominantly white space that is also conservative and men and older, all this stuff that you mentioned earlier. I was thinking, wow, she might be, she might like know how to do this. Right. Like in a way that maybe I wouldn't in in some ways, you know, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I think that for me, you know, like I didn't anticipate sailing into the sea, right? I didn't anticipate sailing into it. I didn't anticipate some of the things that have occurred even within my own community. But I also know that when you are literally like changing history, or and or making history, which I didn't even think about when I was running. I was just like, yo, there's a need. Like, well, okay, sis, like it's gonna be me. I just, I just did, I just do what I do. And um, you know, I don't, you know, think twice about it. I see that there's a need. And I think that a lot of times just the work that I've done just as a civil rights attorney, the work that I've done as a criminal defense attorney and having to deal with prosecutors in the state of Florida. I think it just sets you yourself up for that. And I think also even just my upbringing, especially like in the Black church has like a lot of the, the all of my lived experiences have made me to be in this place of like, listen, you know, I am a very kind person. We can have conversations, but I'm also very principled. And when, you know, and I'll try to find common ground, but if that common ground goes against who I am as a person or goes against other people of who, who they are and how they operate in this world, then we're not going to be able to do it. But, and I, and I think that I'm very clear about that. And, and I would say 10 years ago, and we could get into even all of that, 10 years ago, I wouldn't be able to be in this position that I am now. I mean, hell, even five years ago, I'd be like, well, maybe, like, I think that's a good idea. Like, I don't know. Mm. But really having the lived experiences that I've had that have brought me to this point, I think that is what makes me very firm in, in who I am and, and being able to go into this space. Because I've worked in Tallahassee with a state center. I was her aide. So I know how it looks. I know how it is in, in state government. And it is not a place where you're like, we're just all going to get along. Like, there's a part of that, right? But there's also a part of like, you know... You have to like summon your, your inner Ayanna Presley or AOC and like, ah, 
you don't get to do that. And, and I think that there's that balance. You have to know how to navigate that. And I really look at all of the lived experiences that I've had that have brought me to this point. And so that's where I think that there's that, that beauty in being able to walk into the space because I already know like, oh, there, there's, there's a, there's a girl that got a wife. Like I already know, like, especially in that conservative white male, yeah. you, know, you know, cishet white male, uh, uh, mindset that's conservative and that may not be as open, but also understanding that I'm good at what I do. I'm moderately intelligent and that I work hard. And so I'm going to be able to say that I'm going to be able to make my case. So for me, then it comes down to respect. So you may not respect me as a person or how I, you know, show up in this world, but you're going to respect my work and you're going to respect what I do. You're going to respect what I say. And then, and then I start to pull you in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I also wanted to, I want to, highlight one thing that you just mentioned, because it's also literally something I just took like a couple notes that I wanted to ask you about, which is, I know how important black churches can be in, in an election in the South. And then you said you were raised in the black church. And I I wanted to just ask you sort of about your experience there, like your experience growing up (laughs) with queerness as it, those things. So slamming against each other or yeah getting along well i mean if we're gonna be really transparent and hopefully my team is probably like oh my god but um if we're gonna be transparent i've known since i was 11 years old that i was queer um but i grew up in a particular type of church that like that you couldn't even conceptualize that you know Mm -hmm. i mean so we're the same age so you know that there was a point in time when we were growing up that wasn't even like like you knew but like could you really depending how you grew up, like for me, it wasn't really something I could conceptualize, right? Because you would have yes. pastors coming across the pulpit saying craziness about folks who are in our community, right? I hear you. I grew up Catholic and, okay. at a, you know, I mean, it was, I will just say that it was, I didn't know, I didn't know I was queer at that, at that age. I just thought that's how everybody felt about their friends. And, um, you know, for me, it was a devastating process that led to yeah. a huge rift with that part of my life. And, you know, my parents were crying for a bunch of years and all this, but, but Catholicism works a little differently in that. Um, it's not like a, com- it's not necessarily like a community hub. It does, it does pervade schooling, which was my experience. So like my whole community was Catholic and that was, and that really messed with me because when I figured out what was going on with me, it was like, okay, I'll turn to this teacher. No, I won't. Okay. I'll turn to this group of friends. No, I won't. Okay. I'll turn to my family. No, I won't. Okay. I'll talk to my priest about it. You know, really there weren't, it didn't feel like there were safe resources, but I do think that by the time adulthood happens, many Catholics, many people who were raised Catholic, um, some people still use it as their voting principle. You know, some people will be like, I'm actually a single issue voter and that's abortion. And it's very confusing because I've had one, you know, like, like there's that person. Um, but there's, uh, there's less of a, it's just, it's different than the black church in terms of how voting works out for sure. And I, yeah. I'm curious to hear your experience with yeah. when you and were 10, understanding yourself, all that. Yeah. I mean, and so I knew and, and I don't know if I would be able to like articulate it at 11, like, oh, I, you know, now looking back, that's what it was like, but I knew I was just like, mm, I'm different. Um, but you know, I never were to like live that out. Um, and so I, you know, grew up in the church. I went to like a Christian school. I ended up, you know, dated, you know, men for quite a while. I actually ended up marrying a man. Like I married you did. I did. Wow. I did, that, I did the whole thing. What? That can happen. It can happen. It can happen. It happens to the best of us. And, yes. and so, so, and, you know, I ended up, you know, obviously not with, him anymore. And, um, I had to get really honest about who I am. Like I had to get really honest about who I was and how I wanted to show up in this world and how I felt about, um, about things. And, um, I, you know, that happened when I was, you know, I'm 38 now. So like 34. So very short period ago, very short period ago. I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Thanks. So even through, even before that, there were moments that I would try to be honest and then I'd be like, oh, mm, mm, mm." because you know, you grew up in the church and then also you're known in the community and people are like, if you do this, your whole career is going to be ruined. Right. And, 
I remember when I came out, someone very, very close to me said, oh, your career's over. Like, you're not going to be able to do anything. You're not, you know, you know, you don't need to tell people, don't put it on Facebook, whatever, because you will not have a career. And I was like, I was married to a trash ass man and it was all over Facebook. I'm going to be happy and live my best life. And, you know, I, I, you know, I was brought my wife and who makes me the happiest person I've ever been. And so if I could put that foolishness on Facebook, I'm going to go ahead and put my, you know, who I am and, and the love of my life on Facebook. And, you know, people are like, oh. But, you know, what I found, even in the Black churches now, I have about 15 pastors who are prominent pastors who are supporting me and who are endorsing me. And I think that, you know, I, I say, listen, like, I love Jesus and I also love my wife. So, like, it is what it is. She's not going anywhere. She is not, you know, I'm not going to hide her. You know, the words of my wife, she said, I remember when we first started talking, she said, listen, sis, I'm too cute to be in the closet. So, like, I, like, you can do, like, you can do what you want to do. She's like, I am too cute to be in the closet. And, and, um, you know, she's like, I've lived that life. I won't do it. And I had to decide, you know, listen, like, am I going to be who I am? And um, for so long, and I think a lot of folks in our community can really kind of um, relate to, to to my story and my, my walk. And I'm giving you the very abridged version, but really of just you have to make a decision to be happy. You have to make a decision to live in your truth. Because at the end of the day, all the people that you're living for, they have lived for themselves. They have made their decisions and you have to decide, hey, listen, I'm going to do what makes me happy. I'm going to be who I am. I'm not going to hide away from it. And in fact, I'm going to lean into that thing. And that's what I did. I leaned into it. And and it's not just like, oh, hi, I'm Michelle. I'm a Black girl. It is who I am. It's how I show up in the world. And it is very, it has been my wife, my relationship, and I probably will try not to cry, but my wife in so many ways have saved my life and in so many ways has helped me be a, she's been a teacher. She's been a friend. She's been a lover. She's been all of those things that you think about. I remember, and if you grew up in Catholic church, you may have gotten this thing like yours, your, they would say your husband is supposed to show you the heart of God. They're supposed to show you God's love for you. Mm. And I never felt that before until I married her. And I said, if this is God's heart for me, like, this is what it is. Like, this is what it is. Like, and, and and it didn't feel wrong. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like, it felt like this is what all those things, like, this is God's heart for you. This is what your spouse is supposed to show you. And having, being able to navigate this life with her has been beautiful. And 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 I and I will say, you know, Cameron, like I am in a sorority and I, I was speaking at um an event and this young girl, younger girl, well, I mean she's young to me, she's 21, I'm 38. So she had just, you know, uh came into our sorority and she said, I was saying, I was just talking as women's history month, and I just identified who I was. I said, you know, I you know, I identify as a black queer woman, blah, blah, blah. And and I just kind of moved on with what I was saying, didn't think it was a big deal. And she came up to me and she said, had tears in her eyes. And she said, wow. And I said, what, what, what's going on? She said, when you named who you were, I felt something inside of me set free. And for me, if that's what it's about, that's what it's about. Because mm. I don't think that you can move through your life and especially the life that we are in the community that we're in and what we represent, that you have to understand that literally just by you living, you don't even have to be doing anything extraordinary. Just by you living, you're literally setting someone else free. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you for, thank you for all that. And so you are still a person of faith. Yeah. Yeah. Even with all the foolishness. Do you go to a church? Not often, but I still go. <laughs> I say Bishop Jakes is my pastor, but no, I, I mean, I have a church, you know, churches that I attend, but um, it, it did take me a while for, it was a while that I, um, you know, was like, no, nah, I'm absolutely not going, but I still pray and I still believe in God. And I still, um, because there was principles that, you know, there are, that I found that I, that were just in, ingrained in me. And I think that a lot of times, just like with anything, we add a lot of foolishness onto stuff that had nothing to do with God and nothing to do with their religion. 
And I yes. would say that, you know, my wife was, she grew up in the church and she, that's not her thing. She's more spiritual. And I respect how she, how she moves in and operates in the world. And, um, and I get it. Like, you know, I, I think a lot of us who have grown up in the church have to kind of figure out how we maneuver and, and, and reconcile with that. But I don't think that, uh, you know, cishet people have the lock on, you know, any type, any religion, whether whatever religion you choose to practice. Right. And I, I refuse to be locked into that. Um, and so, yeah, like, you know, I still pray. I still talk to God. I mean, I am I, you know, all for the super diving into the organized religion, like how I grew up? No, but I still go and I still, you know, um, you know, will listen to a good sermon and those kinds of things. Yeah. I, you know, this is a, like an interesting... So I was, I was having a, a pretty interesting, I was having a, <laughs> you know, as, as everything was unfolding, um, in the recent resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. I was having a very interesting experience of like, you know, so I was super religious, not just like spiritual, but like a person of great faith and religious till like mm-hmm. 19. And then now it's 19 years later. And I have thought of myself as somebody who was, was absolutely a religious, like I'm not, I'm not religious at all. I can be still spiritual, but as I was processing why I had the beliefs that I had, like I was, as I was watching, you know, why am I responding to this the way that I am? I was Mm -hmm. having like this very strange experience of, of going like, oh my God, I literally had to like kind of grab my, my, the bridge of my nose and be like, it's like, um, <laughs> like it is, it is Jesus. Yeah. Like that is really, you know, if I like look at my upbringing, what is the basis for my understanding how I think people should be treated? It is the golden rule. It's that like, wh- like what, it, what are the, what is the greatest commandment? And then he actually answers with two which is love God above all things and love others as yourself and and to love. And so why would he answer with two commandments, except if he, if they're actually the same thing, which is to love, to love God is to love the spirit of another. And I was like, I honestly was like having like a full freak out. Like I thought Uh, I was existential moment. I was like, excuse me, you know, like, and I don't know that it means, um, you know, when I look at that, I just think that is that is great human teaching. Like that's great human teaching about what we're all doing here. Like at the, at the end of the day, everything I've ever read or heard or related to has been a reflection of that thing. It's not that I think that one person figured it out or, you know, that um, one faith figured it out, but that I think everything I've ever liked, it all falls under that category of like, what are we all doing here? We're trying to respect the spirit that is in another, you know, and, and I was just like, I, I literally was like, Oh fuck. Like I just like asked my girlfriend. I was like, I think I might be Christian. Like I'm like fully freaking out, but like, I don't know what any of this means in a larger sense, except that that is where it comes from. From me is this part of my upbringing right. that no matter, you know, whether or not I ever attach to that through going to a specific place again, that that part, I still have that. I still agree with that. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think about it, like, I really ultimately also was brought up in, like, Black liberation theology. When you, like, you walk in my parents' house, there's a picture of Jesus and a picture of Malcolm X. Like, you literally walk in my mama's house. So that has kind of informed the way that I have even looked at religion and church. So for me, even, yes, there's this, like, way that you are to comport yourself in life, but ultimately, you are here to be, you know, advocates for the oppressed. You are here to speak on behalf of those who may not have the agency to do so. You are here to, um, to you know, even Jesus, when he said, um, you know, when I was sick, you fed me. When I was, you know, when I, or when I was sick, you came to see me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in jail, you came to me. Like literally that was like the things that he talked about and understanding that that is, that is how kind of for me, I have, been comported throughout my life. You know, my mother would always say, too much is given, much is required. You know, you have this gift, you're supposed to da 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 And even now, like, you know, and I'm just like, this race is ridiculous. Oh my God, mom. She's like, too much is given, much is required. You know, I mean, and so 
that has kind of always informed the way that I think. But I like much like you, does that mean you go to a, a singular place? Does that mean that, you know, you start doing all the youth groups and all the, No, that doesn't mean, but that means that is a guiding force in your in your life. And whether and how that looks like it lands for you, that's not my business. But but you know, yeah. but but you know, it is it it but I, I think that there's that foundational of just just treating folks right, just loving people. Yeah. And I, and I do agree that, well, for me, I will say this specifically liberation theology as it, the, the Catholic, the part of that's also, there's also part of Catholicism. That's that it's the very leftist, like socialist arm, Yes, which, which is I the love. part that, that I was, that I was into. Um, and it is interesting because it's about acts, you know, like that's the, and I think that for, I think that what the black church has been able to do is be like, and these are acts on behalf of ourself, you know, like, because we are, right. the, we are the, we yes. are the community that needs the liberation. And I think, um, I think it's just, you know, as a person that was raised Catholic, it's like very strange because if you're in the part of it, that's the liberation theology part, you have to go, wait a minute, but we are the oppressors. Like there's the, there's a the moment yeah. where it eats its own tail and you're like, but we're colonialists, you know, like, so <laughs> yeah. it becomes a very strange, um, you know, and that's what, and that's what essentially shoved me right out of the church. But it is interesting to look at, okay, well then how will I live my life? And I just, yeah. I just hear a lot of that in what you're talking about, about why you're running and all this. Um, okay. How much time do we got? 14 minutes. This is very, this is it's very not exciting. enough time. It's just not enough no, time. it's not enough time. Okay. So there is something that I feel like, all right. How did you and your wife meet? If you don't mind my asking and you can yeah. say it's too personal. No, it's not too personal. So I will tell you that when I initially met her, if it is 10 years ago, she was my friend's sorority sister and they were, so in black um, Greek light organizations, we have what we call probate. So when you like get it, you get initiated and then like you're presented to like everybody. So she was my friend's sorority sister. They were in line sisters. So what we call me, you're on a line that was her line sister. And I saw her, they, I mean, I would go by their house. And I'd be like, oh, here's food, whatever. I was whole married to a whole, that whole other man. Didn't even really like whatever. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. And um, so, I mean, we was more of like a head nod. So probably fast forward from that point, six years I, you know, had started my own law firm and I needed um, a website. My wife is also a digital strategist. So that same sorority sister's husband said, oh, reach out to Bianca, my wife. I said, okay, cool. Reached out. Bianca was like in a whole relationship with like her girlfriend at the time. I was like, I'm married, but like, this isn't really going, this ain't really going to work. Right. So like, this don't really, this ain't really it. So nonetheless, very professional, very whatever. And at one point I, I ended up getting separated and, um, my, and I said, Oh, Hey, do you do uh, videography? Oh yeah. You know, I do a little bit came down. She came to my office with her whole girlfriend, still nothing, whatever. And my 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 paralegal was like, "What's going on between y'all two? I was like, "Nothing." Like she's just doing video. But the, I immediately felt something I had never felt at all in my life encountering any other human. I was like, like it was like otherworldly. I was like, "What is happening right here?" And you know, didn't think anything of it. Was like, "Okay." I'm like, her whole girlfriend's there. Like this is it's like whatever. So still separated and um, I'm just like, yeah, it's really not going to work. Like we're good. So then we ended up, you know, talking and she was like, yeah, I'm not really kind of with that person. And I was like, okay, we were just like going to hang out. Like we we're just going to hang out, be friends, you know, and that's. Uh -huh. I, I know all about this. <laughs> sure. Sure. I know all about it. Uh-huh. Keep telling me. So. Just like just totally to, hang just out, to, totally just be hang out, yeah, yeah, like just like Good that buddies. was it, just pals, <laughs> yep, right. So it was like going, <laughs> I can't, I can't stand you. So <laughs> going into 
Um, I, so we, and then I was like, okay, cool. And then, then I was like, you know, I'm still separated, but like, I need to figure out what like I'm going to do. Like if I'm going to like go back and like work this out or for, I'm uh-huh. just going to like, whatever. And I was just like, I really, really like you. And I, I don't, this wasn't supposed to happen. And so she was like, well, listen, you know, if you do what you want to do, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I was like, pause. <laughs> We're not. Mm-mm. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> And she was like, but I'm not okay with you just like having me like right here while you try to work your stuff out, which fair, fair. I mean, so, um, so I worked my stuff out very quickly. was like, yeah, so, sir, we're done. God bless you. Bye. Um, and we (laughs) did very quickly, like, bye. Like, and yeah. And then we just, you know, have been together ever since and really, and then we got married in 2018 and, um, yeah, so we've been together a total of like four and a half, four years, four and a half years, and then married for two. And, um, it has been amazing. It, we joke that it feels longer and not in the sense of like, oh, it feels long, but in the sense of like, I just feel like I've just known her. Like I am home. I, and, and honestly, the other life that I lived and I hope, and, 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 I hope this makes sense. Like the other life that I lived, it was literally like it happened to someone else. I did a lot of things to fulfill a lot of, well, you know, because of even just my family dynamic, you know, of how I grew up, I was the person that was supposed to make it. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do this, 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 and that. And because of the family dynamic I was in, I was like, okay, I'm just going to fulfill these roles. But it literally was this life that happened to another person. And in that particular relationship, it was not... It was not healthy. It was definitely abusive. And so literally when I look back to that person and how I operated in that space because I wasn't healed and I wasn't whole and I wasn't being honest with myself, it is literally like it's a whole other life. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to that. Yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, it's it's a little bit further in the past for me, but, um, I, um, I certainly understand the experience of not identifying queerness and trying to operate that way and how completely, um, for me, that was like, I just kind of thought, huh, people are, things aren't really romantic or like whatever, you know, I was just like, I don't know. I think I just didn't understand right. a sort of baseline experience that was part of love. Like, I just think I just yeah. was like, people have pals, you know, people have buddies or whatever. Um, I, I just didn't really get it. And yeah. um, it is interesting to me to think about, but also cause you're like a full adult. You're like an adult woman a when whole, this is happening. Whole, like a whole, you've had, like a whole you, you're, a lawyer, you know, that's, that's a little different than my experience. And I would imagine that like, I mean, what does it feel like to, that feels very, it feels very like thrust into an adult relationship at a time when maybe you're still getting to know yourself. Like, does that make any sense? Yeah. Sorry. My Uber eats came. (laughs) I'm so glad you got some food. Yes. That's good. Um, I just want to, so yeah. What was thrust? Yeah, thrust right into this adult relationship. Because I mean, like when I when I first was dating, having had this experience, and then I and then I realized my queerness. I was like dating somebody. I was twenty. They were twenty. It felt adult, but also, you know, like I didn't have a credit card or a phone. You know, so it, like things were different. <laughs> right. You, know what I'm you didn't own a law firm. You weren't like you know. Yeah, I wasn't a civil rights attorney. Is what I. Is right. what I, I wouldn't say that's what I was at the time. <laughs> So, I mean, I I look back on it and I get, like, it's really crazy to me. And I hope this makes sense. You know, after, like, it was, like, clear that I just, like, came out to my parents and my dad was like, okay, like, I hope she treats you better than the other one. <laughs> that was, like, literally my dad. <laughs> like, my dad's own, like, thing. My mom, you know, she struggled with it a little bit more. I just for everybody else, I, it just was like no fear. And I think when you have been in a place of, I operated out of fear in every aspect of my life. 
I operated out of fear in my relationship with my ex-spouse. I operated out of fear even when I started my business. I operated I operated out of fear just even with myself. At some point, it was just like, you know, they, they say I can't cuss, but you, fuck it. I, I just literally, I'm going to be who I am and I'm going to love who I love. And, and so I wasn't fearful. I felt free. And I was going to be who I was. And it was a very adult relationship. Like I said, we were like marriage, like this. Okay, friend, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We were going to hang out. We were going to just like be cool. And like, that's like all it was. And like, you know, you do you, I do me. And, you know, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, had other plans. And I think that I know for a fact that I would not even be talking to you and a lot of the things that happened subsequently after my wife and I, you know, got together probably wouldn't have happened to me. I, you know, I was in a, a situation that was very competitive with your partner. Like, I don't think you need to be competing with your mm. partner. I was in a situation that was very financially abusive, that was very emotionally abusive, that in turn turned physical. Like, so I can tell you having the freedom to be like, listen, your wife is with the people. That's like my, my wife right now. She's like, you're, you're the people's wife. <laughs> like, she'll be like, you're the people's wife. I was like, really? I was like, no, I'm your wife. She's like, no, you're the people's wife. But having her be able to even understand that and know when we have to obviously figure it out and have the DTRs, like the defining the relationship conversations, like where are we well, at? I know what DTRs are. <laughs> Listen, the DTRs, like you shoot, you be married having them DTRs. Like where are we at? Let's yeah. check in. You know, last night, Hey, so yeah, we're gonna need to check in. And I'm thinking like, oh God, what did I do with it? Because like, you know, in my past relationship, I was like, oh, I've just, I may have like, I've, d- I've done, oh, in my past relationship, it was very much like I've done something wrong. But now having the the security of knowing like, okay, it's not necessarily you've done something wrong. We just need to check in, which is why and I'm about to talk about some pop culture, which is why I understood when Will Smith said to Jada that he, w- when the entanglements, <laughs> Jesus Christ. When he said, I understand that there's a beauty and knowing that you can mess up and still have keep your family. Now, I don't know if I would be having any entanglements, but what I but I get the <laughs> overarching point of you can be honest and you can check in and knowing that your partner is not going to walk out on you or not going to lord it over your head. I never had that before. Hmm. So for a long time, you know, in therapy, I had to even learn how to navigate in my relationship. And we would go to, you know, and and she would go to see our therapist by herself. Therapist would be like, listen, so you're dealing with someone that has dealt with like been in a narcissistic relationship. But all of that has the beauty of that is that I'm able to kind of fully walk into what I believe is my purpose. Well, I'm feeling very inspired by what you're talking about, about relationships. It's giving me a little bit of a, a like some, some breath that I needed today. So yeah. thanks. Yeah. That's really. Um, Didn't expect yeah, this on this call. <laughs> we get into the whole thing, all of it, each thing. Um, you know, you're not going to believe this, but we're like at our time. I'm, no, I wanted not. to ask you to, sh- yeah, I want to ask you to shout out a Quiro and then we are, we're donezo. So first, before I do that, actually, folks, I see behind you that the, that folks are voting August 18th. Correct. And it's michelleforflorida.com with Correct. one else. With and one I, L. I want Thank folks you. to find out more information about you. And if you live in district 70, 70, then it is, the vote is August 18th. But yes. now I would like to ask you to shout out a Quiro. And a Quiro is a place or a person or thing. A person, that felt safe. yeah. May you feel like you can be who you are. Wow. There's so many. Um, actually, I'm going to shout out my um, dear friend um, and his restaurant. He is um, Jamaris Glenn. Let me, Dr. Jamaris Glenn. He is a pharmacist, he is a queer black man. And he has a restaurant in Tampa called Seventh and Grove. And Seventh and Grove was specifically curated that anybody 
but especially folks in our community could come and feel safe. And when you walk in, it you feel at home, whether you are on like the club side or whether you're on the food side. And the food is all Southern comfort food, but like just this like cool, cool twist on it. So next time when you come back to Tampa, you got to try it. Cool. And it is, and it, it was specifically also curated with um, our community in mind. And so every time I walk in there, especially when my wife and I have date nights, it's one of the places that you know that it's safe. You can be who you are, you know, gay, straight, black, white, Latinx, you know, whatever, and you feel safe. And I, I, and today is their anniversary for their restaurant oh, wow. one year. And so um, they're still thriving even through the pandemic. So that is my shout out. That's a great shout out. And thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. I thank appreciate you. you making time. Go eat yes. your food. Go eat your Uber Eats. And uh, <laughs> and good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Really. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.